The opinions expressed in these materials represent the personal views of the participants and do not necessarily represent the opinions of Salient. This information is neither an offer to sell nor a solicitation of any offer to buy any securities. Any offering or solicitation will be made only to eligible investors and pursuant to any applicable private placement memorandum and other governing documents, all of which must be read in their entirety. Reference to any third party, specific product, process, or service by trade name, trademark, or otherwise does not constitute or imply endorsement, recommendation, or favoring by salient. Welcome back to the Epsilon Theory Podcast. I'm Michael Correo, Director of Investor Relations and Communications. And I'm going to disrupt Ben and Rusty today. Uh, they're, they're busy looking at the new Epsilon Theory uh, website that we launched a few weeks ago. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, Michael. We're, we're doing great. It's, a, it's, it's really exciting days in, in Epsilon Theory land. It is indeed. That's Ben Hunt, our chief investment strategist and author of Epsilon Theory. And we've got our executive vice president of asset management, Rusty Gwynn, here today. Morning, Michael. Good morning. Hey, Michael. So uh, I'm glad you let off with that because we, we are very, I know pride is one of the seven deadly sins, but I, I, I want to be proud of this anyway. It's, uh, it's, it's been a long time in the making, but we're really trying to, as I described, open up the sandbox uh, at Epsilon Theory uh, to include other like-minded voices, uh, different forms of, of communicating. Uh, by that, I mean, it's not just the written word, but also really emphasizing even more these podcasts, which you, Michael, have been so great at, at really shepherding along. So, 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 so thank you for that. It's been an absolute pleasure, Ben. Well, no, it's, it's, it's great. But on the written word front, uh, the, 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 the first person I wanted to, to, to bring into the fold is my partner, uh, Rusty Gwynn. So those of you who have checked out the new site, you've seen his, uh, uh, maiden voyage here with the, the publication. And the thing about Rusty is uh, we've got a treasure trove of writings from Rusty. So we're, we're intentionally, I'll say, doling them out uh, uh, judiciously here. Uh, but I think kind of every other week we're going to uh, uh, be able to, 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 to publish a, a new note from Rusty. And I look forward to it as well. It's been a pleasure writing them. It's it's funny the uh, uh, when we talk about our, our our asset management business. You know, one of the things we talk about is we start from a place of being portfolio managers, and you know, if we de- design investment products, we do so out of the context of being portfolio managers right. first. What are the tools that we need? And so, you know, I've as a, you know one of the first readers of of Epsilon Theory. You know, I always came from a place of okay, this is absolutely fantastic. How do I use this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, how can I you know, be a little bit more um, specific and, and practical in terms of the advice? And so that's kind of the tone that, uh, and the approach that I've, I've tried to take, and I, I, I think it works pretty well. Well, now, your first one, uh, man's got to have a code, right? You did tell us, just for those who haven't looked at it on site, what's the, what's, what's the premise here? Yeah, the, the idea there, and you know, very much in keeping with a lot of the uh, epsilon theory mantras is that you, know, you you have a market that is policy driven and in some cases policy controlled and um, you know even when that isn't the case um, we know that the human animal is a is a flawed and behaviorally and emotionally driven animal and uh, so the only way to I think 
you know really develop and uh, as an investor and to have success as an investor is to have an, an anchored mm-hmm. place, a home uh, of core philosophies and. Um, you know, those can take a lot of different shapes, but um, there has to be a lens through which you view the world in a consistent way or else you're going to um, find yourself uh, carried to and fro by the winds or the waves or whatever sort of mixed metaphor we want to use. So, amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. And, and so this podcast, I think we're going to try to focus on this notion of having a code or being driven more by, by, by theory than the, than the last facts you were exposed mm. to. Uh, and it's it, it's something that we touched on actually, Rusty, on on your last visit to the the, the Epsilon Theory podcast, mm-hmm. and we were talking about fake news. That's right, right. So 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 here's a venue, the, the the business of news dissemination, where we are increasingly subjected to what I've termed you know fiat news. Yes, right. So it's the whatever, and 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 your take on this, which 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 I've got to point out and this is imitation being the the most sincere form of flattery has been picked up by you know none other than uh, uh Nassim Taleb recently you know your take on what was driving or one of the elements that was driving uh fiat news mm-hmm. news as you pointed out essentially news providers as as well you described it, the agency problem when it comes to the agent being an agent versus a principal when it comes to communicating news information. Yeah, and, and I think the, the example you used there, and which I think has a lot of application elsewhere, is this this observation that, you know, when you if you interviewed an interviewer and you asked them how they how did you decide you wanted to, to get into journalism, um, I I suspect very strongly the the answer that you would get is well, I, I wanted to change the world. I wanted to right. make the world a better place. And and so you, you start to see that that creeping in as opposed to the sort of journalist as as real-time historian, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, as agent. As agent, right? Yeah. To, to inform to um, and to distill um, the many goings-on of the world in a way that was concise and informative, transition into, well, the, the sort of very Vox-esque, uh, yeah. but let me tell you what matters. And right. Let me tell you, um, let me explain this to you. And and so it's it probably comes from a very well-intentioned place, but ends up putting the uh, the, the journalist and the media in the position of, of not being an agent of the people, but they're they're a player in the game. They're, they're a principal. Um, and they're a principal. And it, when you're a principal, you have incentives, agendas, biases, and, and interests to look after. That's right. That's right. And th- this is at the core of epsilon theory, right? Mm-hmm. That we are all being played. Yes. Right? <laughs> and, and we're all and, playing. And, and, and we're, we're all playing. playing. We're all playing. That, that is the nature of the, 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 the human animal as a social animal. Yes. We're all playing and always being played. Yes. The, the, the agent, uh, there, there really probably is no agent other than through regulatory structures, right? Right. right. It's forced true agent, Everyone's yeah. a principal who plays an agent as part of their you know, instead of bearing structure as a principle. Right. But, but what's so, I'll say, I'll say problematic, right, is that, is that if you think that whether it's news dissemination or any other sort of signaling from markets, for example, right, that you're, you're receiving these signals from, I'll call them neutral arbiters yes. from agents, that's a problem. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge problem. And it's why we... Each of us need to have our own internal code, as you call it, where our, our, our understanding of the signals we're receiving from the rest of the world is informed by, A, our own core, mm-hmm. what we think matters, whether it's in for investing or our political lives or whatever aspect of our lives we're talking about, what matters, right? 
and not to be driven hither and yon, swinging from pillar to post by the supposed facts we're receiving, because none of them are neutral. Yes. They are all being driven by another principle's idea of what matters in an attempt to play us. Uh, that's right. And and I think part of having that code is you know recognizing what, what does matter. It also I think whether intuitively or systematically, which is I think something a topic we could discuss in great detail, needs to have a good understanding of the tools with which principles, other principles, right. seek to convey authority and trustworthiness on a topic. One of which is the simple, science. Well, and that is yeah. yeah. One of them is is a saying S. I'm part of the media, and the second is yeah. this is based on science. science. And, exactly. and that's, uh, that's, that's probably the most common tool to use today. Well, and, and that's where I wanted to go with the conversation, right? Because we're, we're seeing so much. And, and look, I'm a defrocked academic, right? So, so, so I used <laughs> to play this game. And it's, it, it, it is absolutely a game. Uh, it's, it's, it is publish or perish. Mm-hmm. But it, that, that publish or perish approach where, you're, where you are – you have to report findings, right? You, you can never get published if you have an experiment that failed, right? That, that does not get published. And, and, and yet, in truth, it is, in fact, the failed experiments that are incredibly valuable for whoever comes next. I don't have to do that again. You don't have to do that again. And there, there have been efforts to try to create some sort of journal or repository of failed experiments, there have because that's that's so crucial to have that sort of information and to share that information. <laughs> oh yeah, well it's a problem we deal with as as asset allocators from survivorship bias. Oh my and, god, and yes. We we make the same mistakes over and over, over again. and over and over sure. again, right? But th- there's th- I think more recently this this uh, systemic problem in academia in the way that the the business of science works in the in the modern world. Mm-hmm. It's now expanded into our political and social realms, right? Because and, and through the, the the media distribution. So so now in order to justify your principles view of some sort of social policy, you want to cite science with a capital S. Yes. And so the the, the academic journals and the like, which are are there to again to provide the the workings for the business of science, social science, you know, academia in general, uh, hard science as well. These journals are now playing a much wider role in our social and political lives, and increasingly our, our economic lives, because of the the imprimatur right that they supposedly provide by being based on on fact and science, and on the the notion that peer review is doing something more than just methodological evaluation, right? Did you follow the procedures that our August body deems necessary and appropriate for generating this kind of research and leaving it kind of there? Yeah, exactly. And what's so telling now, and you're seeing more and more of this coming up, is that so many of the the findings, mm-hmm. right, whether we're talking about social science, whether we're talking about natural sciences, A, no one ever attempts to replicate them. And when <laughs> they do, the attempts fail. At an incredibly high rate. Yeah. At an incredibly high rate. Yeah. It, and you think of things like, you know, pharmaceutical studies. Yeah. Right? Where th- this is <laughs> this is actually driving, you know, health outcomes. 
and you, and you can't replicate this stuff. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And I would say that's probably the, among the better examples in that you've got an, a, an, an economically motivated, much, you know, much better set of incentives than let's say a publisher parish person. Yeah, and this is where and it's it exactly going. There. That's right. Yeah. It still exists there in like pharmaceutical studies. Having been a social scientist again in a in a in a former life, it is it is that to some nth degree in in anything you read that comes out of the the the, the social science literature. So what what are the I mean, drivers probably a million, and we probably don't have to go there. But in terms of what is what is the sort of intellectual cause of this is this decay? Having been in that seat yourself, is it the sort of classic? Uh, um, absence of evidence doesn't equal ab- evidence of absence problem. Is it a, you know, 20, two, having 2,000 assumptions and you end up with a complex system that, you know, you, you really ought not to believe your conclusions from problem? Is it all the above? What, what's your view of, of why this has become such a, a pervasive problem? Well, at the root, at the root of this is, is that theory and the, 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 the classical scientific method. Okay, I've got a theory about how the world works. This generates some testable hypotheses. I then go out and collect the data, and I see, you know, was my that po- hypothesis correct? Was it was it vindicated in the the actual empirical tests that I performed? That breaks down with the business of social science at every step, uh, and and it really has at its root this issue of you can you only get published, so you only advance in the field by having a success with that empirical test. Mm-hmm. So amazingly enough. <laughs> You keep fitting it and rechoosing and rethinking. You you never publish what your first, second, third, fourth, and one hundredth <laughs> hypotheses were. You only publish the one hundred and first and say, "Oh well, this was this was obviously the one that that I had that, that derives from my theory because it's the one that works." So, exactly how many hypotheses must you have before you recognize that you've abandoned the scientific method and are allowing your op- empirical observations to determine what your hypothesis was in the first place? Well, let me let me let me, <laughs> let, me let me just say the the the, the human animal has has an essentially uh, an infinite capacity for. Uh, uh, it, 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 at least the investment industry doesn't do this. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. At least the investment <laughs> industry doesn't do this, right? So, so what what Rusty, of course, is referring to is the the, the plethora, the explosion of, of of back tests, where when they're done, I'll say poorly, they become the similar exercise of let's look retroactively and overfit the 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 actual performance and let's select the variables or the factors that give us the best results. So this yeah. is driven again by what worked historically as opposed to being driven by here's my theory or my code about how the world actually works. Well, but we, and then making yourself more comfortable that it's sound by having an in-sample and out-of-sample period, despite the fact Correct. that out-of-sample period is one that you intuitively remember from your own personal memories. <laughs> So it, look, it's 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 intensely problematic. It, sure. it it is intensely problematic, and 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 I, and I just think it's not because any of us are. Well, there may be people for this is the case where there it's this intentional. Okay, I'm going to try to fool people by this, but what 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 happens when you're immersed in this? And again, in social science, you don't in academia you don't have the, I'll say ultimately the real world arbiters that. Our business imposes on you, right? Yeah. yeah. Does does it going forward make money? No. In my business prior, you would just publish it, and then it, 
you know, advances your career, perhaps, you hope. And it's done. Nobody ever does anything with it, right? But the but having been immersed in that, it's not that you're saying, oh, I've got to, you know, come up with some sort of explanation that actually works. You really do convince yourself that as you improve the results by uh, honing or changing your, your assumptions of how to measure it, you really do convince yourself, oh, well, of course, that's what it should have been. Yes. No, it was just it was it was an, it was an error in judgment. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, the, but but is it is it really and does the problem lie in the the scientific process itself or I think as maybe I think it's it's rather more in how the interpretations that whether it's the primary author or the secondary author has of that piece you know I'm reminded um, of just this last week the the congressional uh, congressional budget office report on you know their new uh, um, America's greatest or the world's greatest health clinic right, 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 right. Yeah. 2017 yeah. Yeah. and and what you know it's this the sort of well-reported conclusion that 24 million Americans were going to lose their coverage and and when you dig into it it's well that also includes the fact that people now can opt out and so your 24 million includes opt-out individuals yep. and it's based on about half a dozen assumptions and by the way the CBO has a track record of not just being arbitrarily wrong but actually like having a negative correlation with with actual you know evidence. correct yeah and so you you sort of see that as an example and say was it the actual work in the science was it the analysis and the interpretation um where is where, which is the flaw that's really driving this the, this real problem with scientification. Well, I, I think, that, right, we've got a problem with the methodology, which we were yeah. describing earlier, but but I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I, I think that the root problem is that we, humans, particularly the human creators of analysis and study, we want to believe. Mm-hmm. We want to believe, right? We, we, we want to, to, to have an idea about how the world works, and uh, so, so, so my story on this is back, I remember my dissertation committee, you know, way back when, uh, a dissertation advisor saying, you know, this reminds me of this old, the, the old story about the, 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 the kid who, um, uh, you know, is always optimistic and thinking that, always optimistic, is coming into to, to Christmas and uh, his parents decide, well, we need to break him of this, right? We need, we need to break him of this idea of, of, of being so, so, so optimistic and hopeful. Mm-hmm about what the, the future the future holds. And so his his parents decide, okay, well, you know what we're gonna do for, for, for this this Christmas? We're not gonna get him a gift. We're just gonna give him a big pile of horse manure. Right? That's gonna be his Christmas. <laughs> we are we are going to crush the optimism and the hope out of little Johnny. And so Christmas morning comes and so these are, these are the kind of stories you get out of Alabama, by the way. It is it is yeah. the stories out of Alabama, that's for sure. So little Johnny comes down into the downstairs into the to, to the living room and he sees this big steaming pile of horse manure and his parents are walk are watching from the kitchen hoping of course that they're going to crush little Johnny's spirit because he's just way too optimistic and hopeful about about the future <laughs> and instead little Johnny is, is 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 overjoyed he's thrilled with this yeah and he starts he starts actually kind of digging around in the pile and 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 looking all around the room and his parents say Johnny what, what, what why why are you so happy and he says well with all this horse manure around there must be a pony around here somewhere 
<laughs> right. And and so my dissertation advisor's premise was was, you know, Ben, you're being way too hopeful about the 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 the, the outcomes of your research program. Yeah. Right. Now this has been my, my, frankly, my life's career, this whole notion of the narrative engine. That was what right. my dissertation was on, my first book was on, all, all of that. And I, I, I remain very hopeful, right? But I, but I think that, that oftentimes what drives this is that principles issue that you were describing. I want to, you know, you want to change the world, right? You, 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 you want to, you've, you've got an idea of this is how the world works. And so you keep looking for the pony even if you keep just finding the, 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 the horse manure. Hello, listeners. We hope you've been enjoying the Epsilon Theory podcast. We'd like to ask you to go to iTunes, rate us, and leave us a review. It'll only take a minute, and it'll help more smart people like you discover us. Thanks. And so much of it is, is just driven by inertia and the, 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 the desire to kind of extend that. I'm actually, I'm struck, in, as you were saying that, I was, I was thinking of, you know, some things in my personal life where, where I, ha- I, I demonstrate and observe this behavior. Actually, I think this is something that, that Michael and I share is this uh, amateur genealogy. Right? Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm, this you know, looking mm-hmm. back and and trying to see how far can we you know trace you know our reach, which is a very American thing as I've observed. Um, when you when you go to other places in the world, this idea of where are you from, you you get the city that they're the, the, this the, town they're, 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 <laughs> uh, here. It's forever. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> right uh, here. Right. It's everyone. Know, when you ask an American where signed on to whether it's ancestry.com or any of the other major genealogy networks and, and research devices is you are going to get so many and you can observe so many people because you can see their trees whenever you enter in a name and it gives you all sorts of suggestions and you can just see how many people filled in the gaps with just awful information that was supported by two or three facts right you could look at right. it and say so you know what are the odds that there was a you know a William Hunt in Madison County Alabama census of 1880 who had a wife named Susanna who you know was somewhere between 55 and 60 years old how many of them could there have been and once you make that wrong conclusion about that those two sets of facts and and you sort of get yourself off on this trail the the reality is those those decisions are not just unbiased wrongness they are biased toward the conclusion that we want to draw that's it and, and that's so it exactly when that's it exactly if someone tells you and your family has always said, "Well, we have Native American ancestry, and we've got right, or we, we're Scott, we're Scottish family, um, or Scots Irish, which you know they'll just say is you know most of them just think, well, it's just a mixture of Scottish and Irish people, which is not true, of course. But, <laughs> but and and then what you discover is that they're if you believe that, and someone's told you that, you are going to find that link. You will then, find it. And then when you get the DNA test back, <laughs> you completely don't. disregard and, it if it doesn't have it. Well, and 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 actually, I was forced to do that. So my wife's uh, grandmother, who actually passed away this last year, had believed her entire life into her her mid eighties that she was her fifth or fourth great grandmother was a uh, was uh, was Cherokee. And of course, when my my wife, who is in a direct, you know, yeah. matrilineal descent from uh, from this woman, got her empty, you know, mitochondrial DNA test, it's like, nope. <laughs> but we couldn't. We didn't have the heart to tell her. You're right. So of course not. <laughs> of course, of, of course. As not. many advisors don't have the heart to tell their, uh, you know, dissertation or PhD students and their <laughs> research, unlike your very responsible one. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's it's 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 so right. And and you know and it's. 
it's often um, you know um, what's the right word? It's it's often uh, uh, I'll use a silly word striking to me, right? How powerful the tools we use for analysis can be, right? But how they're tools that are designed to give you an answer. Yeah. Right. It, it, to, to your same point about the, the tools you might use to to track genealogy, they will you can find the tools that will give you the answer you're looking to have. Yeah. Right. And what I promise you is that I'm good enough to use regression analysis tools to give me, if I were so inclined, the answer that I want I want to have. Right. Yeah. That that's what training gives you in social science and in natural science today. The the ability to use these tools to speak this language, mm-hmm. right, of econometric analysis in a way that frankly I can I can support yeah. with some degree of statistical significance the conclusions I'd like to support to, to, to make my worldview better. But, but which of those, in your view, is the more dangerous? Is it the, the type one or the, or the type two errors that come right. out of that process? Because what we're talking about is, is thinly supported conclusions based on what may be a set of actual facts and analysis, which in reality don't actually support those conclusions you know, for various other reasons we described or can't be replicated. Is that the, the biggest problem or is actually the problem that we've become so skeptical of intuition and so skeptical of, of, of a perhaps more deductive and, and, and code-based, if you will, yes. way of building knowledge? Which of those is actually creating oh, the oh, issue? Oh, oh, look, it's, but, but they're, they're part and parcel yeah. of the same thing, right? Because, and it's precisely because most human animals can't speak the language of econometric analysis, mm-hmm. right? So that it becomes a magical spell, literally a spell, or it becomes something like, uh, you know, in the freaking Middle Ages, the, 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 the priest could read and write and speak Latin, and so that becomes the imprimatur of, mm-hmm. of, of, of truth if you're in the, you know, the, the throng listening to, 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 to what he's saying. Yeah. It's 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 the same thing here. So so there there's there's an inability to understand that the conclusions that are reported by these tools and the like are actually you know take them for what they are, right? Which is which is nothing more than applying these econometric techniques to a certain set of data and these are it's it's informed by choice and bias all the way through. And yet we read these and say, okay, the headline tells me this is the conclusion. Yeah. I can't read the, the, the underlying work. Most of these articles, you can't, they don't report the underlying data, mm-hmm. right? That's the other problem here, right? You, you report the results, you don't report the data, right? So, so no one else can apply, that's why you can't replicate this stuff, right? right? And so it, it, it acquires this imprimatur of, of permanence and, and significance that it doesn't really deserve. Yeah. And so the thing that we all know or that we all share is some sort of intuition about the way the world works. And so that gets, to your point, devalued. Mm-hmm. Even though when we look at our business, and this is where I want you to go with this because I yeah. know it's the subject of, of, of one of these pieces that we're, we're slowly doling out, right, is that we, we pay way too much attention to either the things that feel comfortable we degrade or deny the 
uh, approach, the investment approach that, that may be very uh, core-based, right? Very, yeah. very theory-based, but because it doesn't have this imprimatur of, of quote-unquote, science with a capital S, we, we reject it. Yeah. So it really, all these things are part and parcel. So I, I, I do want to kind of come back to investments. And so, yeah. so, 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 so give us the take on this most recent piece. And I know it's a little bit of a preview, but it, it'll, it'll fit with what we're describing. Well, I think it, it, um, it is, uh, you know, so the series, and to, to yeah. give because you kind of have to understand the structure of the series, you know, the, we start by describing, look, what does a code look like? And as you said, um, you know, what, what I'm saying is that, a code requires you to, to define what you think matters, what you think doesn't matter, and maybe some of the things that don't always matter but matter right now. Mm-hmm. And and I th- and I think your code should have those components. Well, because it's fun and because we get to be snarky, we we've kind of started with the the things that that don't matter, uh, and those will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. And and the preview of this one is is this idea that that the amount of time we spend talking about stocks in particular right um, doesn't matter. And this is. Um, this, this, how many, I mean, how many books from the beginning we've, we've both read our, you know, Graham and Dodd and, and, you know, all the fundamental analysis and stock analysis books we've probably taken the classes and, and there's, there is this, uh, this desire. And I think here slightly differently from some of these other cases, probably driven more by familiarity, but also by the attraction to this notion that fundamental analysis is, uh, and the ability to understand what's going on with the stock is, both necessary and sufficient to generating outperformance and being able to right. To it's, win. The, it's the notion that if we understand the company, yeah, right, then we can understand the stock the com- and the stock and the, yeah. and the likely outcomes, and and so we we draw ourselves and really the the the, the intent of the of the of the pieces is, is yeah. to argue first of all that's you're probably not any good at that so don't spend as much time on it but also recognizing that um, that whenever we get into that exercise we we're we're really leaning so much on the those those behavioral biases toward the familiar um, toward the toward a ex ante data driven view of what's ultimately going to drive markets even though we know uh, and this is sort of that message of epsilon theory is that at the end of the day the mar- the price of a security is driven by the, the the marginal buyer and seller and at what price they're willing to transact and and so every price is at the end, a, a function of human behavior, and and the you know the story I relate is is you know that this is even us right and and oh, for and, sure. and, and we're all we're all vulnerable to this and we we run to the stock conversation as this sort of comfortable place to convey we know our facts we're scienty people too, and and so I remember uh, I was uh, speaking at a conference in uh, actually in Monaco. Oh, lucky you! Yeah, which was which was which was fun. We actually had a, so this was when I was an asset allocator, and we had a we had a hedge fund there. I was an activist investor that mm-hmm. invested in, uh, in European companies and tried to influence them in, in all sorts of different ways. And uh, I relate that I was uh, I was speaking at the conference, and as an asset allocator, you're sort of lauded in ways that are all about your seat, and it, yes, you, you're yes. In, you're infinitely interchangeable and transferable with anyone else who had that title on the business card for that for that institution, and so, but it's it's very easy to sort of delude yourself that actually no they're they're cheering for you not your not, not, not your seat. your seat or your checkbook and uh of course you know i i did that and and of course i'm feeling very smart and then i right. sit down with this 
this uh, this portfolio manager for this activist investor. And I think if you're an allocator, you've been here, or sometimes if you've got a particularly brilliant uh, financial advisor or someone you're working with, I mean, these are some of the smartest people in the world. Mm-hmm. They really are. And and in this case, you know, Ben and I, I think we're, you know, we competed trivia against each other. That's pretty challenging. <laughs> I like to think that we're reasonably intelligent, well-read guys. This is this is a this guy's on another level. Next level. I mean, fluent English, Italian, German. Um, French, Spanish. I think he also spoke spoke Dutch in a couple other languages as well. <laughs> and and his his English was even though he lived in Monaco and and Switzerland, his English was was the sort of classic Oxford Cambridge, Oxbridge, Oxbridge, yeah, Oxbridge yeah. you know, um, very very literate. And and I remember you know going in there for our lunch, and it was this the most intended for intimidation sort of circumstance, mm-hmm. but it was it was presented in exactly the opposite way, sort of the the way of of conveying intimidation through someone really rolling out the red carpet for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's, you know, getting pulled through this sort of secret passageway through this, <laughs> you know, elaborate Baroque hotel uh, and going out on the, on, the, on the patio and sitting next to, uh, sitting next to him. But to get there, the, 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 the host had to get a couple of guys and literally pick up a concrete planter that blocked the vision of all the other guests from this this promontory <laughs> where our ta- a large table that could have seated sixteen people and all these people are in tuxedos I'm I'm guessing yeah to, and to it was it was you. exactly yeah, that yeah, kind of place yeah. and and so and it's overlooking the Mediterranean and and my my host is sitting there waiting for me stands up and you know we just think we engage in a discussion I am just way way out of my depth right um, the level of detail that he's going into the level of understanding he has of this and and I've got to get. Of, of these companies, and I've I've got to get back in this conversation, I've, because I'm I'm yep. losing it. And so, what do I do? I uh, so why don't you tell me a little bit about this, you know, British electronics, you know, consumer electronics retailer? Because we can all talk about consumer electronics, yes, right? yes. It's, it's you know the mo- that's those are going to there's going to be most talked about uh, stocks and in, in meetings like that. And as I was doing it, I just I knew God, this is this is a waste of my time and it's a waste of his. Why am I doing this? And some of it is, I, I've got to show that I'm not an idiot and that I know a couple things and I have facts and I can validate some of those things. We can talk about fundamental analysis and the characteristics of this more familiar company and it's it's a comfortable place to be. Um, and it's it's a credibility thing. So as we sort of think about the the motivations of, of the people who are scientists or whatever we want to call the this newfangled version of that, um, that cr- – that establishing credibility is is certainly a big part but, of it. But let me ask you, Russ, because what, because what you experienced in that moment is something that I'm sure every listener has experienced. I, I mean, I'll give you a, a dozen stories on, yeah. on 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 the same thing. We've we've all experienced it. But what I feel is that we're experiencing this now on a more of a mass scale or a societal scale, yeah. right? Where we are spoken to by someone in in that case, you're getting someone who really was very well versed in in their in their field right at least it's we are spoken to as as a as a society right by people who hold themselves out as being well versed in a field and and oftentimes backed up again by this science with a capital s which those of us i think who know that language well can say look there's actually a lot less here than meets the eye right if you know how this stuff is, is is actually constructed and so whether we're talking about a a a meeting that you know, we might have with a, a, a portfolio manager who's going to dazzle us with his, you know, systematic approach here. Or, uh, and, and, and maybe is really brilliant with a systematic approach, but we don't have the, the training or the ability to ask 
I'll say the, the, the trenchant questions, and so yeah. we fall back on something that we know, or whether it happens more frequently, it's uh, an allocator or a, or, a, or a manager who knows something about you know a couple of, of companies that so we fall back on what we know to talk about, as you say, well, what about Apple? You well, know, right? and, what, yeah. what, and, and what I'm saying is that we experience this in the, in the, in the small, our, our daily lives, our business lives as investors. Right. But we're also more and more experiencing this in our, in our larger political lives. Right? Well, and, so and we what are. do we yeah. do? What do we do? We change the question that we ask. We, when you go into any conversation, when you read an article, the, the, the question that you have to ask, in my opinion, is, is this conversation, is this information going to help me make a decision? Mm-hmm. And, and how? And, and the stock, and part of the, the story of that article is that the stock discussion doesn't do that. But you can think of the bigger <sighs> examples as well. I mean, and the, the one that I like, even though I'm, I'm torn on the issue, but think about the, I think the GMO or uh, example, or meaning genetically modified organisms, right? That is, I, I think, a really fascinating example because it is absolutely the case that any research study that says we've looked at these, GM, you know, these various past examples of genetically modified organisms and, and we've determined, we, we found no evidence that the GMOs are unsafe. So you could go in there and say, let's find as many case examples of that and drive policy based on that empirical analysis, or the alternative is to say, let's understand how organisms propagate, how genetic modification occurs naturally, you know, occurs in nature or narrowly. What what are the various outcomes that that could in fact take place in a in a what I would say is a more bottom up fashion? And right, right, and in right, the, in the right. same way, from from an investor's perspective, when you go into a meeting with a portfolio manager, the question shouldn't be, you know. What are the characteristics what do you think about of this? XYZ? Yeah. It should be how do you make decisions? Yep. How are you going to make money on this stock? How are you going to make money on this idea? And if they don't have a very clear understanding of of all the things that have to happen for them to be right and to win on that investment, then it's a very different way of thinking about things. And it, that's the question that, that we should be asking. It is changing large the question. It is changing the question. And, and there's there, there's so much to, to to go on this, but it really is at the heart of what I've been trying to do with epsilon theory and, and why I think you're such a good addition to that to that to that effort. Because you know, the 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 core insight of what I'll call information theory, yeah. which is what rests below, frankly, in, in some ways, everything, the entire universe, you can express it in information theory. Right. right? But at least let's just limit it to, to what we're talking about, our 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 lives as human beings, as as thinking creatures, right? Mm-hmm. The central insight of information theory is, well, well, what is information? How do you measure it, mm-hmm. right? And the, and the measurement of a signal of information, it's not whether it's true with a capital T or false. That, that has no meaning in information theory. The crucial measurement in information theory is, how much does it change your mind? Mm-hmm. How much does it change your mind? And you're right. We have to ask the questions that are meaningful in the sense of changing our minds. Mm-hmm. That that's what useful information is going to be. And it's not always what that that sort of useful information is not always what is presented to you as the signal from the other person. 
right? You you have to be an active consumer of information oh, where you, you're asking the You're asking getting the information. Questions. Yeah. <laughs> but not, right. that's not the information the that's going to empower your decision. That, 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 that's, that's powering your decision, right? So I'm, I'm reminded of this. Uh, I love this example, the, the old Sherlock Holmes story, right, where – there was some murder that, that that Holmes is trying to solve, and the, you know at the at the at the end he he tells Watson, you know, well, of course Watson, the 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 the, the secret to my solving this the, this mystery of the you know murdered man in a locked room or whatever the, the the premise was was, well, of course it was the 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 barking dog. It was of course it was the barking dog, and and. Watson said, but, but, but Holmes, there, 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 there was no barking dog. And, and Holmes says, precisely. Precisely, right? It's the dogs that don't bark, right? It's the, it's, the, it's the choice that people make and the information that they provide you or don't provide you that can inform our decisions. Yeah. So, you know, you're using the, the, the GMO example, but it, it's something I think we can apply in, in every aspect. When people ask me, what do I read, mm-hmm. right, as a as – a, as a student of, you know, markets or the like, I say, well, look, I read the same stuff that you do, but I think I read it differently. So my question is always when I read something, not just the what, but the why. Yes. Why is this being presented to me? It's funny because there's, I think there's, there's the three levels of the response that you get from an investor, especially let's say a stock investor. When you ask them, you know, do you read wall street research? Right. And the sort of the sort of simplistic answer that, you know, you'll get from the you know, the most basic one is, well, yeah, I mean, it helps me build my model. And, you know, they've got good assumptions and usually the obligatory. Oh, I, I don't take their. Right, 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 right. I, I, you know, I, I redo it myself. That, yeah, that, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so that's yeah. sort of I think of as level one. Then level two is no, we absolutely don't allow it. We are developing our models completely independently because, you know. Somehow in this world awash in information, we're able to isolate ourselves from other views. It's an it's a laudable goal and utterly impossible. Utterly impossible. And also worthless. Right. Because right. the the third level and the ones that get it say, Yeah, of course I, re- I mean these some someone else reading this is gonna decide whether to buy or sell this stock and it's gonna influence the price. And and so yeah, and and it's and that's a very simplistic and basic example. And most people get that construct, of course. But the the value from something like that is it's in the information that is you know, that is ultimately out there and, and being conveyed, whether it's, you know, the, the barking dog or the absence of the barking dog. That's right. That's right. It's the why. Yeah. It's it's not just the the, the, the what. Yeah. And so, look, we're going to stop there because I, we, I, we're going to revisit this conversation when, you know, this 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 piece gets gets published. But I it was it's just so important to me personally. And so uh, I think um at the heart of why we're what we're trying to do with epsilon theory to bring these these, these points in, but it but it really then gets back to and you were saying earlier as well, it's all right to talk about this stuff in theory in general, but what do we do about it? Yeah, and I think the message here is we have to ask better questions, right? Thinking about the why of the conversation and not just the what. Yeah, I agree. Love it. Thanks, Rusty. Thanks for Thank uh, thanks for participating in this, Michael. Thanks for having us. Uh, once again on a on an Epsilon Theory podcast. Thanks, guys. Be sure to visit the new Epsilon Theory website at EpsilonTheory.com, where you can read all of Ben's notes, check out what Rusty has to say, and much more. If you're not already on Ben's mailing list, be sure to sign up. We might just send you some awesome virtual reality Google Cardboard glasses. 
We hope you like the new site and check back often for updates. Thanks again for listening.